and I'm arts editor of the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Each week I travel the state hearing, watching, enjoying the best Vermont has to offer in the arts. And I try to put it together and deliver it to you. It all culminates with the Vermont Arts section every Saturday in the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. This is reporter Patrick McArdle of the Rutland Herald. So, Jim, it seems like with the start of the fall, we've got some exciting new arts events going on around Vermont. What are you excited about this week? Well, we certainly do. And coming up are two very different events that excite me. Uh, One is a Cabot pianist who, at the age of 60, is actually doing things she's never done before in her life. She's a concert pianist. She's performed in Europe. She's performed around and things like that. After, her name is Diane Hewling, and she lives in Cabot. But after 20 years teaching at Johnson State College, where she seldom performed because of the huge tasks they had, she got very ill and stopped playing. She retired, and then threw herself into the piano. Well, she has gone to work and created a recording of virtuoso piano music by Chopin, Mozart, and others that is just incredible. I review it in this weekend's Vermont Arts. But she's also going to do a recital at the Barry Opera House where this thing was recorded on October 6th. She plays at She's one of probably Vermont's three best pianists, and she plays better than ever, and she's over 60 years old. And you've been following uh, uh, classical music for years. I think that there is probably something exciting about some new talent, but there's also something exciting about somebody who has been developing for years. Well, one thing is, is uh, especially in, in things like classical music, this applies probably to painting and a few other things, is that maturity pays off. Um, we think in the arts of actors, but we, when we think actors, we think TV stars or movie stars, whatever. And of course, we like them all young. Um, but when it comes to under, depth of understanding, Somebody who spent their whole life doing something, if they're really good, goes deeper and deeper. And you actually can hear that. It's not, it's not some esoteric thing that I'm, you know, that I'm just babbling about. And you probably can hear it in the other person that I'm highlighting on our cover, and that's Arlo Guthrie. So Arlo Guthrie is somebody that is a name that many people are familiar with, but he was also had his, his greatest moment uh, many years ago. So uh, for our younger listeners, can you remind people of who Arlo Guthrie is and why it's so important that he's going to be in our area? He is the son of Woody Guthrie, who is one of the great uh, troubadours of the Depression. So he's one of the great historic folk singers. And have you had a chance to see uh, Arlo perform? Yes. What can you tell us a little bit about his show? The type of musician he is live. He is earthy in in all the good senses of the word. He's a very natural entertainer. He gets along very well with his audiences. And he's very skilled at what he does. But it comes across more as human. Okay. 
So not all of the live entertainment we're going to talk about this week is music. No, we've got a couple of interesting theater pieces that are very, very different. One is, well, everybody will be familiar with the word Pride and Prejudice, which is the name of a famous novel by Jane Austen. Well, this New York theater woman adapted Jane Austen into a farce. And all of the same characters you know from Pride and Prejudice, especially those of you who watch Masterpiece Theater, uh, will you'll recognize these characters except she takes them to extremes. And some of the things they do to extremes, uh, it, it gets pretty funny. And it's, but it's the same story, the same people, just it makes fun of the, the morality or, or more the, uh, the societal strictures of the time. If you will remember, the story is about this family of girls that stand end up being poor because they're going to lose their house and everything else. And the only hope, they're members of the aristocracy, the only hope is if they, if they marry well. And basically the whole book is about trying to get them married off. And the one particular girl who thinks she hates this very, very rich man. And of course, you know how these things work. Um, they really are in love with each other. It just takes them the whole book to get it together. Well, plays the same thing, <laughs> but, it's, but the humor in it is underscored, to say the least. And that's at Lost Nation Theater in Montpelier. Hey, this is Maura Smiley, and you are listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. And if I remember your story from this week, uh, this is a a play you aren't just previewing, but I believe you've had a chance to see it. Yes, we've seen a previous production at Dorset, uh, the season before last. And of course, we don't want to give the... uh, uh, everything away to the to the listeners, but what can they expect from uh, seeing this production? It's as if it were adapted for Saturday Night Live, to give you a hint. It is very funny, and it also ends up being romantic. And at the Vermont stage, they... Vermont stage is a is another is a rather interesting, fun little piece called "The Last Wide Open." It's a love story about two people. One is a waitress at this Italian restaurant, and the other is an Italian immigrant who at one point is the busboy, and other points in the show, he's different, but they're always the same character. The story is told three times, the same three characters, but different situations each time. Now this, it takes you a moment to catch on what's going on, but it's a romance, and it's very funny. Um, in the beginning, the beginning is the middle. They've actually known each other for five years but have never spoken, and one night they find themselves in the restaurant alone, and so they speak, and of course, sparks happen, but it takes a while to acknowledge the sparks. The next segment moves back to days after the Italian has 
come to this country and he doesn't even speak English. And watching the two communicate is quite amusing because they do. And then finally is years later where he has accomplished something and she's supposed to be getting married. The funny thing is these three different stories, it's impossible to explain this because it's kind of surreal, but it's not abstract. I mean, this you definitely feel like you're getting a story and it all comes to an end, but it's the telling of it is, is just charming. This is only the second production in the play's history. It premiered in January in Cincinnati. And how it came to Vermont stage is that the artistic director of the Cincinnati Theater is Blake Robison, who was the founder of Vermont stage here in Burlington. And for those who have passed here, Blake Robison was the son of the former uh, president of Middlebury College. But he founded uh, Vermont Stage and then went on to other things. And he directed that play in Cincinnati in January and suggested it for Vermont, and we get it. Okay. And do you, do you have the dates for that run? The, the, it opens on October 2nd and runs for three weeks. Uh Looks like there are other interesting things going on in the arts, and people can get a fuller picture by reading the uh, Vermont Arts pages up uh, in the upcoming week. Yes, everybody should see Vermont Arts on Saturday. There's plenty there. You can read about all these wonderful arts events and more in Saturday's Vermont Arts in the Times Argus and the Rutland Herald. Hi, I'm Rob Mitchell of the Rutland Herald. Thank you for listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. Welcome to the second part of our podcast, where I, George Nostrand, podcast engineer, take over the mic to introduce you to local artists for our Works in Progress section. Working at the Rutland Herald, I get all kinds of interesting things that come across my desk and fall into my inbox. When I saw that a Celtic Americana artist who grew up in Alaska and recently recorded in Louisiana was going to be in Brandon, I thought, I've got to talk to this person. Wind rains undone in sorrow. Good. Like it's such a kind of a long story. I'm yeah. pretty good at condensing it, sure. but um, Go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my parents are both New Englanders. My mom's from Massachusetts. My dad's from Connecticut. Um, and uh, but I did spend the first six years of my life in Alaska. My parents mm. were there teaching. Um, so I grew up in that part of my life in these remote villages in southern Alaska in Yupik Native communities. Um, and then after I finished kindergarten, my family moved back to New England, and then I spent the rest of my childhood in New Hampshire. Um, mm. And I grew up in a little town called Sandwich, which is mm. on Squam Lake um, in the Lakes region. So, so yeah, so definitely culturally, I identify as a New Englander. Um, mm. And uh, and then I went to Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York, and I studied uh, literature and music there. 
And it was kind of in college that I started, well, I started playing guitar when I was 16, but I would say like it wasn't really until college that I like started taking folk music seriously and like decided this is what I want to do as a career. Um, And then I started studying Celtic music and um, I traveled to Ireland. I did a semester abroad there. That led me to eventually go to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia on a Fulbright Fellowship to study um, Scottish Gaelic. Um, That led me to then go to the Isle of Skye in Scotland where I learned how to speak Gaelic fluently. Mm. And then that led me to record my first album in Ireland. Um, And that was about eight years ago that I recorded my first CD. Mm. So (laughs) that's kind of the long story condensed down. (laughs) Wide and Clearly, uh, dove head first and, and all in when you uh, got into this Celtic music. And, and what was it like uh, learning another language like that? Had you had you had any other languages in school, or were you just kind of? Uh, what made you decide to to really learn the language? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think like I I decided I wanted to learn it because I knew I loved Celtic music. Um. And I wanted to be able to present Celtic music in a way that was authentic and kind of like mixed with my own heritage of being American and being a, a, an American with Celtic um, roots. Um, you know, I had my family coming from Scotland and Ireland. Um, but um, I felt like if I was going to sing in the language, um, I really wanted to take that extra step of actually learning it and having it be a part of my life as opposed to kind of just something I would just do as a in a concert. You know, I really mm-hmm. felt like it was important that it be a part of my life. So that was kind of what inspired me to go to the Isle of Skye and enroll in this program that was a full year of immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really intense program and it was really hard um, well, it was it was hard the whole time, but I would say the first three or four months were definitely the hardest mm. because um, the place that I was at, um, it's a four-year university where everything is taught through the language. So there's actually a policy on campus where you're not allowed to speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really like throw you into the deep end. And I was in a class with um, students who had grown up in... Um, maybe Gaelic speaking households or they had a grandparent that spoke it or they went to Gaelic primary school. And so I felt I was pretty far behind a lot of my peers, but I really kind of applied myself and I made the choice to choose the language all the time and even speak it when I was completely lost. And that really helped me by the end of the course. Um, Those of us who decided to kind of do that and commit ourselves ended up surpassing even the students that had had way more than us at the beginning. Um, So, yeah, so I think, you know, it was definitely, definitely challenging and I didn't speak any other languages. Um, But, um, but ultimately, I do think it was kind of just the dedication that really paid off. And I do firmly believe that anyone, if they're put into that kind of environment, will totally learn a language because it's like, you really don't have any other choice. Um, (laughs) And I think that that's the way to go. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of Americans don't get that opportunity. Um, But uh, yeah, it's not, um, it's not really anything that you have to have a special gift or like, you just kind of have to be serious and then you have to get yourself in the right environment environment um (laughs) so i was i was lucky to have that opportunity for sure (laughs) dig my grave 
like I said, I feel like uh, it's hard for me to even know where to start in describing your music. If if, if you were yeah. to, to describe it to somebody who had, who'd never heard you before. Totally, um, yeah. Yeah, th thank you. That's a really good question because I know it's not easy. So, well, um, as you probably saw, like the, the phrase that I came up with to describe it is Gaelic Americana. Mm -hmm. um, because I like to mix uh, Celtic and Appalachian influences together. I will say that, um, you know, if someone who has never heard me and they want to kind of find someone to compare me to, I like to say that I'm a cross between like Lorena McKenna and Alison Krauss. Mm. Um, nice, yeah. <laughs> so something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. But I think anyone that enjoys Celtic music, singer songwriters, and um, maybe female vocalists would, would like my music. Wide and deep. Obviously, you've had a lot of different influences over the years, and but this album, you kind of took a nod towards uh, the um, not only Celtic but kind of the Louisiana Cajun feel. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I have to really credit my producer, uh, Dirk Powell, for that. I mean, I I was familiar with Cajun music, and I love Appalachian music. Um, but he um, he lives in a, a little town called Bro Bridge, which is about like thirty minutes from uh, Lafayette, mm -hmm. and um, so he's really a part of the Cajun music scene really immersed himself in that music for a number of years and really became kind of an expert um and of course he knows a ton of musicians down there too so he has a really beautiful uh recording studio in an old kind of wooden structure that dates back to the civil war and so um, i went down there and i recorded down there with him and he brought some of his friends on board and that was really exciting to kind of give my music a little bit of a new flavor um with uh with his help and uh and definitely yeah bringing in a little bit of that new orleans sound like for one song in particular a song called shula rune which is a traditional irish song i thought for i've been thinking for a number of years it would be really cool to give it like a jazz spin and put some trumpet on it mm. and uh and he just did a great job with that with finding the right people to do that um and so, uh, yeah, so with the help of him, it was, it was just fabulous to kind of bring that new element into my music. Every tear will turn to milk. This can change you more old and small. Shoo, 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 sock and all shoo. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so I'm playing at a place, um, I think it just goes by the name Brandon Music, and that is on October 4th, and um, it, it's, I, I have to be honest, I've never performed there before, and it looks really beautiful, like it looks like the venue was maybe like a barn, um, 
sort of like a house concert feel. Um, and the show starts at 7.30 and tickets are $20. And aside from that, that's kind of all I know. It's going to be new for me. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And especially that time of year, I'm sure it's going to be just beautiful. This can Uh, anything else you want to say about your upcoming show or your music to, to kind of plug yourself to the folks in this area? Um, well, I will say that um, I do plan on performing quite a few seasonal songs at my show um, in uh, in Brandon. And uh, I do I do just being from New England, um, I'm very heavily influenced by nature in my writing and the seasons definitely get a lot of focus. And so I'm going to kind of make this tour very seasonal because, of course, it's an autumn tour. And so that's like perfect timing, I think. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I feel like if you want kind of a seasonal evening, mm -hmm. then um, coming to my concert would definitely um, fit the bell. <laughs> cool. I appreciate your time and for doing this kind of on the fly and last minute here. Yeah. Oh no. I'm I'm just so happy that we could fit this in, and I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. So yeah. no worries.